Brought to you by Soul Fire Productions. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am your host, McLean McGowan. As always, it is an honor to be here with you. I hope that you are having a beautiful week wherever you are in this great big world, finding connection to your purpose, to your dharma, and mostly to love, especially this week or possibly in spite of this week. However, your feelings lie when it comes to Valentine's Day here in the U.S. We're a couple of days past Valentine's Day and... I've learned to embrace Valentine's Day. I loved it as a child, of course, obviously, because we would give and receive Valentine's Day. It was such a big thing at school. So much fun. We get to skip class, give candy, get candy. And I'm getting to re-experience that with my own children. So that's been really fun. There were years and years and years in there where I didn't like it. It felt like such a cheesy, capitalistic, consumerism holiday, really based to make you feel badly. If you weren't in a relationship, if you weren't receiving red roses, triple the price and diamonds and red lingerie from your beloved. And then if you are in a relationship, it can kind of feel like forced and there's a lot of pressure or there can be a lot of pressure between couples to give and receive in the right way. Right. And there's no right or wrong. It's just however you feel about it. So I have fun with my kids. I try to connect to the true love with my husband and, you know, it's still wonky times. So we never really go out to Valentine's dinner though, because it's always crowded and, you know, we're introverts, but it is so nice to find those little, those little things that light you up to help you give and receive more love. Cause we always need to be reminded of love and loving. And one thing I'm really focusing on is loving myself more true love, just acceptance, unconditional love for myself, which I find for most of us is a hard practice and it can feel really awkward and uncomfortable, but it's something that I have been working on and continue to work on. And as I grow older and becoming more comfortable with truly accepting and loving myself, and when I can come from that place, then I'm able to love and give love more gracefully and more readily to the people around me. And that makes me feel like a better human and a better person. And sometimes I have to really see the Buddha-like person within me or the God-like person within me to be able to love so freely without judgment, without judgment of myself, to really connect to that soul connection with source, to fully embrace the love. So I hope that wherever you are, you are giving love and really, truly receiving love. Let's all take a deep inhale through the nose, exhaling out. Take a moment to place your left palm on your heart chakra, your heart space, right palm on your belly, relaxing the muscles of the stomach to truly breathe, to receive the breath. I pulled the Earth Warrior Oracle card, which I love, as you all know, from Alana Fairchild. 
And today I pulled Awela Medicine, Remedy of the Grandmothers. So keep breathing deeply if that feels good. If you're able to close the eyes, connect with this if it resonates with you and just let it wash over you if it doesn't. Remedy of the Grandmothers. Believe in the formidable power of healing, of the transformation that it can provide for all aspects of your being and your life. Medicine comes in many forms from Great Spirit to facilitate healing of body, of mind, and of soul. Whether it is the correction of unhelpful habits of thoughts, guidance for the practical steps to resolve a physical imbalance or deep soul healing that frees you into fulfillment of your divine potential, there is no limit to what can be healed through grace. A current of divine healing is flowing to you and through you now. Open yourself up to participate in a beautiful healing transformation. You are on a healing journey. Put your trust in the divine genius of great spirit and the medicine of the earth through which divine healing can express itself. As you allow your spiritual connection to guide your earthly steps with synchronicity and divine intervention, you will be supported for a healing journey that will be profound for you. This oracle indicates a healing outcome that will enhance your soul journey. Your soul has healing gifts and you are meant to participate fully in an exploration of healing that is of interest to you. You are meant to understand how it is that you are a healer in your own unique way as part of your life journey. Grandmother medicine typically relates to the use of plants through various disciplines to promote healing of the mind and the body. However, the oracle speaks of a broader interpretation. It indicates a time when earthly steps on your healing journey will be supported and guided by spirit for truly and inspiring results. Heaven and earth are intersecting, and when that happens, the practice of various types of physical world medicine can become a channel for divine blessing. This divine integration of heaven and earth will transform the way you see and experience the physical world. It will provide you with a feeling of harmony between the celestial and the earthly, a sense of masculine and feminine energies working together for the same purpose. You will no longer feel divided within yourself, pulled in competing directions, or conflicted about key aspects of your life and belief systems. This is healing. All things coming together in right order, working with rather than against each other for loving higher purpose. Mm, I love that. So receiving that, you are on your path of healing. There is so much behind the scenes working for us at all times, for and with us holding us in its grace. And that's such a beautiful entry point to this week's episode. It was such an honor to sit and chat with Ariella. She is such a wise woman. When we spoke a couple of weeks ago, she was deep in the portal of the birth realm, very pregnant with her first child, her daughter. And in this episode, she shares her journey with pregnancy, with conception. And it's such a beautiful weaving of all the different parts of her life and how they all culminated and came together through working with the bees. She is someone that I'm so excited to study with in the future. I have always been fascinated by bees ever since I was a kid. And over this past year, when I have connected deeper with nature and being home so much more and really experiencing my yard, I've been very called to learn more about bees. And it's such a world upon itself and takes great strength of character to be a bee tender. And there's so much to learn that I've always been very nervous and quite frankly, haven't really had the time to delve into it all, but I'm very excited to learn from her in the future. On Instagram, she is beekeeping and skirts. All of her information will be in the show notes here. 
Just to give you a little bit of a bio on her, she is a B-tender, writer, educator, musician, and now new mother. Her work focuses on supporting people as they explore deeper relationship with their own embodied intuitive connection, mirrored by the honeyed wisdom of the hive. She's a graduate of the Lyceum and ancient European bee shamanism tradition, where she trained in healing, dream work, and seership. Her love of the natural world informs her teachings as she helps women to connect with nature, eros, intuition, and the oracular arts. And she's just a badass witch. I'm so excited to share this episode. Please DM me if you have questions. She offers lots of cool courses. I'm sure she'll be taking a moment for her postpartum time, her first 40 days, and then she will be on a new path as a beekeeper and a mother. But it was really cool to learn about her own personal journey and then also her professional journey as well. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. Other things happening, Mom Club is out in the world. We are growing it. We are putting it out there. So please, if you are not on my newsletter, please go to the link tree in the bio of my Instagram at Mother the Mother, and you can hit on the tab for coaching or Mom Club, and it'll sign you up for the newsletter. Newsletter is going out every Monday, and that is the most up-to-date info on Mom Club and my coaching programs. I still have a few more spaces for February, moving into March. So if you're interested in learning more, email me, McLean at Mother the Mother or you can reach out through Instagram to book a free discovery call if you're interested in coaching. And the Mother the Mother Coaching meets you wherever you are on the journey from preconception, whether you're pregnant, going through your trimesters, whether you're newly postpartum, whether you're a seasoned mom, I am here to help you attain your goals and your dreams through a wide array of tools, hypnotherapy, guided meditation, yoga, nutrition, a lot of deep spiritual work. So there is homework involved. This is really a 360 holistic coaching program. And I meet you where you are in your journey. So please reach out if you are interested in learning more. I really look forward to speaking with you. And as always, if this podcast resonates with you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. It really does make a big difference on the back end of being able to put this podcast out into the world. The ratings and reviews really do matter. I'm still a tiny podcast in the sea of podcasting. So your reviews really do help me. And this has been and continues to be such a labor of love. And I want to always be able to bring it out into the world. So I so appreciate and love you for your support. Thank you so much. And as always, sending love out to all of you as we walk this path together. Jayma. Hi. Hi. So glad to have you here today. Thank you for saying yes. Oh, thank you so much for asking me and especially around such an important and vital topic for women and really all people, honestly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much because I know this is a busy moment in your own life. And as we were talking about before we hit record, you know, there's so many ways that this work can be discussed and really open to however it comes forward for you today. But you are how many months pregnant right now? I am eight months pregnant. I am going to two and a half weeks away from the window as in the birth window Amazing. yeah you're you're edging towards that portal mm-hmm. how are you feeling what's what's going through your body and your mind right now oh goodness 
a million things, but I found that actually throughout the entire pregnancy, doing this, which I did on my own during a global pandemic, which of course I couldn't have totally foreseen how long this would go on. It has like every opportunity for panic and anxiety and stress. And I've just been really amazed by the experience of pregnancy becoming for me, as someone who's predisposed towards anxiety, a sanctuary. It's been very calming. There's been a lot of external upheaval. I live in California, four months of wildfire smoke, and yet I just feel so excited to meet my daughter. I feel really, I'm really looking forward to the birth. Of course, I'm still working through fear, but I've been to four births, so it's not new territory for me in terms of knowing what it can be like to be around a birthing woman. And I've spent so much time feeling... um, this has been a big prayer in my life for a very long time. So the prayer is here and happening. And I've spent a tremendous amount of time trying to prepare for postpartum and those first 40 days. So that's really where a lot of my attention has been. And in the last few weeks, I'm centering in more towards the birth itself. You're doing everything like so beautifully. I love hearing all of that. And I especially love that feeling that this is a prayer answered. And so not straying from that, you know, because it's so easy to go into the fear, especially during this portal of time this past year. I mean, to really embody what a spiritual experience it can be, I think is just so beautiful and really incredible that you were able to hold on to that piece, that thread throughout. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it, it, it feels very true for me. I've had a calling towards motherhood my whole adult life. But beyond that, the spiritual tradition I'm interwoven with is so deeply honoring of the feminine and the womb. And I've spent a decade going very deep into womb practices, into studying some of the ancient traditions or ancient bee priestess connections or cults, you could call it, although it just means like spiritual tradition, connected to women's ability to birth, to be empowered in the womb, for the womb to be a healing vessel. So all of that just plays right into this this deep prayer and this opportunity to experience it in my own body, which I didn't know if I would get. And eventually, Kind of took the reins and asked spirit to help me. And I reached out to a large group of friends and the internet in general and asked for financial support to pursue getting pregnant by donor. And it happened and it happened in a very magical way. So I cannot for one moment question the arrival of this being in the midst of a pandemic because it was so divine. <laughs> Still is. And also hard and like, you know, it's weird. <laughs> Yeah. Every day is weird. <laughs> it's very, very weird time. You know, like listening to books, like you should be swimming every day. I was like, yeah, when is that going to happen in the 2020 pandemic? Nope. <laughs> and in yeah. a way, it's such, I mean, even for us that are already mothers, it really is a new beginning every day because every day there's mm-hmm. new information, there's schooling or homeschooling or showing up or our careers are changing. And so it's really just that ultimate surrender, which I mean, you're walking into the ultimate, ultimate Surrender, I mean, birth and death, it's like that is the biggest surrender, but we're all doing it in little and big ways each day. Can you share or speak to women that might be listening who, you know, want to be pregnant, that's a huge calling for them and have not met the partner or it's not in alignment with who may, they might be right now? Like how, because I know that is a real thing when your your biological clock starts ticking, that is a real thing. And 
how did your journey manifest? Yeah, absolutely. And it's an honor, first and foremost, to any any woman out there who's listening, who's wondering if this path is possible for her. Uh, that's why I'm here. So this story uh, started with bees, really, more than anything. And that's my work in the world, teaching about beekeeping, working with a European bee shamanism, and uh, helping empower women through working with the bee as a central motif and guide and spiritual ally. Way back in at my point of what I might call, yeah, Saturn return, that fun time. I, um, you know, I did the whole thing. I fell in love. I got my heart broken. I was in the middle of picking up the pieces and I was handed a beautiful book about this shamanic tradition connected to honeybees. And it was one of those very much lightning strike moments when I read the book. It resonated on so many levels and sent me down a path of researching whether or not I could attend any kind of course connected to this material. The material being a tradition or a folk folk tradition, ultimately, or shamanic animistic tradition that has its roots in places like Celtic Britain, Lithuania, and all the way back to ancient Greece, where the women who practiced these ways were called Melissa, which means honeybee. We might know them most famously through the Temple of Delphi, which was the major oracular center for over a thousand years in ancient Greece, where women gave prophecy and the women giving prophecy were called the the Delphic bees or the woman offering prophecy. So there's a long history of women's connection to bees and also the bee in relationship to the womb, women's health, women's vitality, et cetera, et cetera. So this, this book sort of sent me down that path. I ended up in England while I was in England. I'm making a very short story here. <laughs> while I was in England studying for the first time, wild honeybees moved into the wall behind my bed in my house. So I came home to this incredible experience having never, I didn't even care much for honey as a kid, honestly. <laughs> and uh, that following winter, while the bees were still living in the walls of my house, I conceived, I got pregnant. And uh, again, just a very spirit-led experience, very powerful experience. I had so much connection to that little being. And I started to build my first hive, which is a top bar hive. It looks kind of like a trough or in my head at that point, like a cradle. I built it myself and was preparing to catch a swarm in the spring. And on April 11th, I miscarried and it was a hospitalized miscarriage. So I got to experience first and foremost, the shock of miscarriage and, and not knowing how normal it is, not knowing that one in three women experience it, the complete disregard for the woman's emotional experience within the hospital, fighting to not have one of my tubes removed because they thought it was a topic. So it was it was me in absolute crisis fighting like a dragon to have sovereignty over my body while going through a really traumatic miscarriage. And when I came out of that, I'd say a week to 10 days later, I got a phone call and there was a swarm of bees in a tree, in an apple tree, which is one of my favorite trees. And it's in the shape of a heart. And I went out pale and just like drained, very little blood in my body kind of feeling, just sort of like not fully tethered to the earth and caught these bees by watching YouTube videos. (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing. There were two little girls present, probably like five and seven while I was there. Um, And I brought these bees home. I buried what was left of the placenta underneath the hive and I just prayed and prayed to be guided. And I think the bees kind of saved my life. Working with a hive of 
thousands of female sentient stinging insects makes you so, so present to them and nothing else. And I think that is a lot like motherhood. I know there's a lot of juggling in motherhood, but there's a, there's a place where you are totally present to that new life and that child. And being with the bees requires us to slow down in a way that our culture doesn't let us. You know, just like you're supposed to bounce back after you have a child, you're also supposed to bounce back after a miscarriage. And I did not. It took years. I experienced postpartum and didn't know that I was in a postpartum and depression. I didn't understand the hormone dump that happens. It was really traumatic. Nor the, like, the soul loss of that sweet, sweet baby. So the bees tethered me back to the earth, which I think is really interesting since they sit between heaven and earth and they live in trees and hollows and are always between. So it was working with an animal that sits between the realms, sits between heaven and earth and has seen in ancient culture, specifically in places like ancient Greece, as they who can go between, who can go between the realm of the gods or go between this world and the other world, go between life and death. They're associated with midwifery. They're associated with psychopomps, which is those who bring the soul after they've passed into the other world. Being with this energy actually brought me back into my body. Wow. And that was, yeah, that's the bees. That's how I got into them. I completely devoted myself to them and have been following the thread ever since then. When I say following the thread, what comes to mind is the labyrinth. You know, we just don't, it's not a straight path. It's the spiral path. So following the thread through the dark, really tried hard to meet someone, really wanted to have a partner and a family in that way. You know, I just, I love big and I was looking to love big, but that didn't happen. And time kept going. I'm now 39. And I realized that I could deconstruct the story that you have to have a partner to have a child or that if you have a child on your own, that's all you get. Like You don't eventually also get to have you know a father for that child. So it's been a lot of deconstructing black and white thinking, either or thinking and giving myself permission. What that required was looking at what I already have. And what I have is a beautiful community. I put a lot of energy into continuing continued studies with bee shamanism. I traveled to England every year for almost a decade, graduated from the Sacred Trust where this work is taught. I teach it now um, in my own iteration. And in doing all of this, I became intimately reacquainted with my womb, with this power that's in all women, whether or not they have a physical womb, whether or not they've had a child or not, as this sentient, all-knowing wisdom center through which we can heal not just ourselves, but the earth and others as a dreaming vessel. And eventually through my practice came to a solid understanding that it would be okay, that I would just possibly survive if I decided to become a mother on my own and that it wasn't giving up. It wasn't letting go of some dream. It was just actually calling my baby into the world. And if it wasn't for the pandemic, this baby wouldn't be here. So I won't get into the details of that, but the way the donor happened is directly related to the pandemic. And so, oh, um, oh, it's, it still trips me out, man. I'm just like, whew. 
and the day I can, I, I, so yeah, if you are out there, that's probably not your story. It's a very different story, but if you're out there and you're wondering how, what, what to do, I did a lot of very practical things. I talked to women who had done this before. I looked at donor sites, um, you know, like cryobanks. I, over the course of four years, asked a handful of dear friends to be the donor and got no's all the way around um, for all very beautiful and good reasons. I, you know, confronted all sorts of fears around fertility. I started focusing more on nutrition and my own health and meditation and all the different things. Although who knows, you know, we each have our own journey around fertility. So just one thing that one woman does isn't going to be the answer for another. I had come to a point where I had kind of a selection of anonymous donors. I did a lot of research around whether or not I wanted the donor to be anonymous, whether, you know, oh, there's so many factors. If you just want to go through a comedy routine, sit there and try and pick out donors on this. It's like, it's like a dating site. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked to a couple of, but I mean, just the, the sheer amount of variables, I can't even wild. I mean, like how do you even make any choice? I would like bring it out at small social gatherings. Be like, someone come look at donors with me because this is too, too much. It's like, it's too ridiculous. You're only given kid photos, but the kid photos can range from like infant Gerber baby to 18 year old boy. But then the profiles are like dating profiles with like, hear their voice, pay extra, pay $25 more to hear their voice. It's just like, wait, I'm supposed to see this as like maybe my baby, but also someone I, I, it's so confusing and weird. And it's a machine to make money. It also empowers women with the ability to have children on their own. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But it's a business. So be aware of that so you don't feel a little shocked when you go into it if you go that direction. Um, I was about to go that direction and then actually did have what you would call a known donor come forward. So someone who I know. And that enabled me to to do, I guess, to not, uh, to do the insemination like live. So I had a midwife and I didn't know this. You can act, there are midwives out there who can do inseminations and IUI or an ICI, so intrauterine or intracervical, and they can either take the frozen sperm or they can take a fresh supply. And this wonderful human was willing to give a fresh supply and we were able to do the process or the procedure at home with music on and meditation and, you know, during COVID. So he was not at the house. He just came and brought the the genetic material, brought the sperm. (laughs) And the day it happened, bees swarmed, uh, which means bees gave birth. My my hive gave birth and swarmed into this beautiful tree right outside my window. I I did a you can do this as well. I did a um, double insemination where you can do it twelve hours apart, which is best. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's a better option. I had been tracking my fertility. I'd been using the book Take Charge of Your Fertility. All of that. And I was prepared for a long road of many months of tries. In between inseminations, um, I actually had my group of sisters and one really close male friend on Zoom to just help me ground. So I had community with me. I went outside and checked on one of my hives while I was looking. The queen revealed herself. And then I looked down on the ground next to my feet. And there was a giant three-foot-long gopher snake sliding past my feet. So it was just... And then I found an, an antler, like a, a discarded <laughs> antler below. 
below the swarm of bees when I went to go look at them. It's like, I get it. Like the masculine and the feminine are fully here. I may not have a partner, but like the divine has showed up. I'm good. And I was one of the very rare percentages of women who conceived on a first try. So I'm so grateful and know that if you're doing this, it sometimes takes a number of tries, which is why I was so grateful to do it with the midwife because it was actually quite affordable in comparison to going through a cryobank. But each way is like, that's the right way for you and your baby. You got to trust it. Such a journey, like you said, for each woman. So many people, emotional and physical. I mean, it's so much. It's been the hardest thing for me (laughs) since getting pregnant has been letting it be okay that it was easy, letting it be okay that the pregnancy doesn't have to be hard, letting it, it just, it's been a really easeful pregnancy. It's been an easeful conception. And this idea that a burden I was carrying for 10 years of grief and longing that I could set it down. And that, I think that's really hard for mamas who've wanted to have babies for a long time to set down the ache and longing and allow yourself to receive because that's what's happening. Oh, it's so just magical to hear how it all aligned for you. It's so beautiful. It is, but that's also magical thinking. (laughs) I could have told a very different story that felt more clinical. It's choosing. It's choosing to see the magic and allowing the blessings of the animate earth to to really believe that they're showing up for you. And I think we, we've forgotten that. We've lost that. And as men and women invite more of the sacred feminine back into their lives, we start to invite more of that knowing that there is a bank of support around us from the spirit world, from the plants, from the animals. And that no matter how much we screw up as people, you know, that love and kinship is still there in terms of being humans on the earth right now. And that really motivates me to open myself even more to receive that because it is such a wonky ass time right now where every day feels like I know less and less about what is actually happening in the world. And so, I mean, being near nature has what's been what saved me and my kids throughout this pandemic time. Yeah. Connecting to this bigger thing and not just what we're told, right? What's on the news and what we think is happening. I mean, there's so many below and beyond and all around us, animals, nature. I love, well, I'm, I'm definitely going to be doing some courses. Let's just say that. Oh, <laughs> I've always, like I was saying, I'm a big honey person. So I do actually want to ask that really quickly. Just the logistics, um, because I've not delved into this. I've been wanting to for a while, but you know, mom life, work life, what actually goes on? I mean, I know that this is like a huge huge topic, but if you had to nutshell it, when it comes to eating honey, you know, how ethical, how okay is this? How, that's something I question every day. You know, what are we actually doing to the bees and what are we actually doing to the bees with the royal jelly? I mean, I hear so many different things. And again, I haven't taken the time to actually do my own research. Good question. Big question. Many nuanced answers. You know, people come to me to learn about beekeeping and they're, just, you're never going to walk out of one of my classes. Like, I think I've got this now. Yeah, it's going to be like, oh, I have a thousand more questions. Questions. <laughs> so I think the first thing to understand is that honey is bee food and bee medicine first, human food second. That ultimately there really isn't any such thing as a surplus of honey, but that there is a place where 
there can be an exchange between receiving honey from the bees and caring for the bees, caring for the land. You might not be able to do that. You might not be someone who can, for instance, plant for pollinators, but being aware of the bees, I think, is, is a really good step forward. Depends on where you live. Not everyone can become a beekeeper and harvest their own honey. I've decided beekeeping is actually fairly hardcore. <laughs> the reason I say that is because to be a beekeeper, one has to confront climate change. One has to confront, honestly, I'll just say it, patriarchy. One has to confront biodiversity loss. You can't get around it, but beekeeping can also deeply connect you to the rhythms of nature, even as those rhythms are getting wonky with climate change. Change. Whether you're beekeeping in an apartment in New York City and you know the bees are resourcing from rooftop gardens, or whether you have a beautiful piece of property with a biodynamic garden. So that's a little bit about beekeeping. Within that realm, there are in some ways a myriad of kinds of beekeeping, but to be reductionist, we have commercial beekeeping, which is where we're going to get most of our honey from. And commercial beekeeping, honey is part of it, but the biggie is pollination. So that's taking bees on semi-trucks across the country to pollinate things like the California almond groves, which happens in February. The other side of that is natural beekeeping. And beekeepers who are selling honey or hobbyist beekeepers or backyard beekeepers sit in between those two things. Some of them are focusing on more natural methods. Some of them don't even know that there are more natural methods. And all of our decisions around beekeeping are made based on a commercial industrial model. When, if I were to try to make a decision around where to receive honey from on a regular basis, I would start to be curious about local beekeepers and if there are any natural beekeepers in the area. Those would be indicators for me versus um, kind of major production or widely distributed Besides, local's always better for you. Local helps with allergies. It connects you to the land. Uh, I think that there's something really magical that can happen tasting honey and really feeling the memory of spring and summer stored there. That's the sentient intelligence of the plants and the bees coming together. There's something there. So yes, I do think it's okay to eat honey. In fact, I think it's actually a big part of the primordial human within us. We quite possibly, according to recent research, developed a part of our brain development came from, as like into Homo sapiens, uh, came from honey consumption. We have a long indebted relationship to the bees and finding a way to eat it where you're looking for local people. You're asking them, how do you keep bees? And do you, be, do you send your bees off to pollination events? Do they stay in one place? So list of some questions for all you out there who are wondering, do you treat your bees with chemicals or more natural treatments? Do you send your bees on pollination events or do they get to stay in one place? Do you feed them supplemental food when you take their honey instead. So a lot of people will take the honey and then just feed them back corn syrup or sugar, which leave them enough honey so that they don't have to eat sugar. You know, That sounds horrible. Yeah. So those are some things to be aware of, but it, it's so nuanced and tricky. It's not a... Oh, it's a whole world. That's why I'm, yeah. I haven't even dipped my toe in because it feels so overwhelming because it's... Yeah. It's, it is a whole world upon itself, but it's fascinating. I love to just look at people's websites and look at local beekeepers. You can get a pretty good sense about how they might approach the bees in that way. So if you feel overwhelmed, start local, farmer's markets, that sort of thing. That helps me. I would love to someday have bees, but I don't know if it's right now. It might be <laughs> our next I think when it's time, it's time and they let you know. I think the having of bees is cool, but the bees letting you know that it's time to be with them is actually where it's at. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. We were in our first swarm this summer and it was so fascinating. I mean, the electricity charge, I was so just wowed by. It was incredible. For sure. Absolutely. It's an altered, it takes you into an altered state immediately. (laughs) It's so exhilarating. And for anybody who's never been around a swarm, when bees are swarming, that means they're giving birth and they are at their most docile. In fact, they're in the transition. They haven't become a new being. So goodness, it was Gareth John at the Learning from the Bees conference in 2018 in Amsterdam. He was speaking to um, how there's this thing that bees do when they leave a hive, when you think of the hive as the mother colony, and they split apart. They make a daughter queen who will stay behind with the mother colony. And then the old queen, the mother, will leave. And in leaving, forget her home location completely and fly out into the world to find a new home with about two-thirds to three-quarters of the daughters, what we call worker bees. But I call them daughters or maidens, maidens coming from Jacqueline Freeman's work. And he was, Gareth John was talking about this disembodied state that humans, we can't do that. We can't disembody and re-embody. But the organism, the superorganism of the honeybee can actually disembody, leave the body, the original body of the mother hive, become something in between, and then coalesce on a tree branch, be in this in-between state altogether with the queen, send out daughters to find a home, and then re-inhabit that home and start to literally build their body again by building beeswax, bringing in pollen, starting to rear brood. That's phenomenal. Of course, we're going to be mesmerized by it. Of course, there's some part of us that recognizes there's something here to teach us about states of being. They're incredible teachers. And where are all the boy bees? <laughs> the boy bees. I always hold a flag for the drones. I love the boy bees. Um, boy bees are part of the spring and summer expansion. All hives expand in the spring and summer and then con- con- contract again into a small cluster to survive the winter. Of course, this is regional, so depends on where you are. But the boy bees are raised, there's always a few in the hive, even through the winter, but they're mostly raised in the spring and summer to mate with queens or mothers from other colonies. So as the virgin queens are being born from new swarms, from new colonies, they're going out and they're seeking to mate and they will fly through a drone congregation where there's all these boy bees hanging out in the sky, sort of flying around together. She'll fly through, the drones will pursue her and she'll mate with between 40 and 70 in those first few days of mating and that creates genetic diversity. So it's really important that she's not artificially inseminated, that she's allowed to mate and allowed to swarm. Beyond that, the drones, their hum is lower, they're bigger wings and the hum comes from wings. So the lower hum of the drones both soothes and affects the gestating brood in the nest. They're usually found around the brood chamber within the nest. And the hum affects the mood and mental state of the female bees, their sisters, helping to motivate them to go out into the world and find flowers and forage. Gorgeous. (laughs) It's like being blown right now. (laughs) In commercial beekeeping, they're told we're told that they're useless. Uh, we're told to get rid of them. We're told to cull them, to kill them. So that's why I have a flag for the drones because I don't believe in culling drones. I don't believe in killing them. I do believe they have purpose. And then, I mean, you've shared a little bit, but you had said that you know motherhood in general is so connected to the bees and the beekeeping and and your work. Like, are you feeling within your own self right now as you? 
do move from maiden into mother, do you feel like a connection with the bee lore? Also kind of similar to that journey? First and foremost, when we look at ancient cultures, we look at Egypt and Greece, where the the height of bee-centric culture happened. We see an association with the earth as creatrix, which is why the earth often was named female. For instance, the, the Gaia as the earth mother in the pre-patriarchal religions of ancient Greece, so pre-pantheon of the gods. We see it in relationship to, so we see that as the earth, right? The earth is, is this mother being that we all come from. And we see the earth as a womb or as a womb and tomb, really. There's so, so lots of association with the earth as a womb, uh, which is why you have you know, birthing caves in places like Crete, where women would go to birth and they would bring offerings of honey to goddesses like Aletheia to go into the womb of the earth to birth. Within these types of places, you often found bees, and it was also from within the womb of the earth, bees issued forth every spring. So they were strongly associated with wombic resonance, with feminine ability to create, with creation itself. And when they arrived in the spring, so did the flowers and the fruits and then the harvest. So there is this association between, without having to understand pollination, between the bees and the harvest and that bringing things to life. You even see it in star lore around the rising of the Pleiades in the spring, heralding the flooding of the Nile, heralding the beginning of spring, the beginning of fertility, fruit, all of that. And the Pleiades themselves being associated with many things, including doves, bees, and nymphs. And if you look back at ancient Greek lore, nymphs are often connected to bees. So on and on and on it goes. <laughs> so that's part of it. But beyond that, within the Lyceum tradition, which is the bee shamanism tradition, there's so much import put on the womb and the connection between the womb and the bees in a woman's ability to flow like a bee and become her own nectary. So to be really deeply connected with her fluids, her flowing, her emotions, her endocrine system, her moon blood, you know, everything in between. And I find having spent so much time within that realm of working with the womb, of meditating in the, into the womb, you know, going into the womb versus, for instance, maybe going into the third eye. The womb was seen as the place that you, you is seen till still today that you speak from. What is it to speak from the womb versus speaking from the heart versus speaking from the head? The tradition of seership in ancient Delphi, they were womb shamans, really, more than anything, speaking with the womb through the, the voice of the earth coming through and up instead of um, from like heaven above and down. So it was this clothonic earthly wisdom coming through. And I absolutely feel that in my journey with pregnancy. I remember reading that it was unusual for women to feel anything if it's her first pregnancy um, until about 20 weeks or more. And I was feeling my daughter at 16 weeks, if not earlier. And I was just, I think just years of meditating into the womb. As a culture, we are severed from that. And that severance has many different, you can look at it in many different places. But things like patriarchy and Christocentrism and taking power away from women and et cetera, et cetera, divorces us from that place as being anything other than 
you know, yes, we have children, but what else is there? And what is the power of this place? I think it can be really healing for women who can't have children to connect to this place as a creative vessel. Such our, our powerhouse that many of us, I mean, I certainly wasn't connected to until well after, you know, my first and really healing it that I really yeah. Power of it. It was always something I just, it was kind of like, ugh, an annoying thing. You know, my lead, it was just an annoyance. It was, you know, when I got it when I was a tween, a teenager, you know, I was very ashamed of it. You know, and it's just, it's so absolutely you have children and then how to heal your own and then model that. And then, you know, I have two daughters. And so, you know, really helping them do it so differently. It's a lifetime's work. It really is not just to do it within yourself, but then to model it. And we're all there, all, you know, if, if you're someone who came upon the idea of menstruation possibly being a sacred thing at some point in your life, you're still having to unlearn societal norms around that being annoying or icky or frustrating or whatever it is. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Even my three-year-old yesterday was, so I get my period? And I was like, yes, you do. And <laughs> <laughs> I get my period, oh good. And they can, I can be a mommy. And, you know, and even on those, you know, it's almost like as you'll, you'll see it like on those days when maybe you're not feeling 1000%, it's still fake it till you make it and model it. Like, this is awesome. This is mommy's superpower. You know, this doesn't hurt and all of that, you know, but it is, I love learning about that connection to mother earth in that way, because even when you're speaking, I've always been personally very drawn to spiritual work and religions. Even when I was younger, I was really interested in religions, but then I would rebel against the dogma, but I was, I was this push and pull and I could really live in the etheric realm, but children have brought me down, you know, I mean, into the groundedness and to the womb. But I love embodying that even without children or the work for women that decide they don't want kids and how to really own that and how to have that connection is so beautiful, powerful. It is, and I think it's part of the big reclaiming of the rise of the sacred feminine again. I don't think we can look at the sacred feminine or the feminine principle and take it out of... I mean, it's an energy that's in men and women, it's in plants and animals and rocks and trees, and it's part of how we seek to understand life through creating a little bit of that duality by, by trying to discern and understand the nature of things. But, you know, it's going to, it's so necessary that women reconnect to the power of their bodies and their sovereignty as part of that rise of that energy again. It doesn't mean it's the only place it's showing up. It shows up in all genders. But it's so, so vital that reclaiming starts to happen again. And it is. I mean, look at the midwifery movement. Look at even what's happening during the pandemic. How many people are choosing midwifery births, home births? My signature Mother the Mother coaching sessions support your journey through womanhood and motherhood in mind, body, and spirit. These coaching sessions meet you where you are now with the aim of where you want to go. Whether you are entering into a new relationship, you're wanting to conceive, you're newly pregnant, approaching your birth in the midst of your postpartum shift, or a mother needing to reclaim her space, or maybe needs a little bit of extra help handling the demands of motherhood. I'm here to support your intentions and your goals. My expertise lies in helping you empower yourself as you deepen into your innate knowing. I'm here to help you align and remember. Through a spiritual yet grounded lens, I help you navigate the topics that arise in transiting through the ages and stages of life, and especially when bringing new life earth side. 
We are not meant to travel from maiden to mother alone. We need support, we need education, and we need guidance. My intention is to support you, the mother, as you mother. In our society, we are often taught to look outside of ourselves for the answers, and I am here to help you turn inward to find the answers you already possess. If you are interested in working together, please email me, or you can go to the link tree in the bio on Instagram at Mother and the Mother. Or you can email me, McLean at MotherTheMother.com, and we can schedule a free discovery call to see if this is the right time in your life for this kind of coaching. What I do know is 2021 is now the time to go big, to manifest and envision the lives we want to be leading, the kinds of mother we want to be showing up as, the kind of life we want to bring forward. So I'm here to support you, to guide you, to be here on the path with you. We are in it together always. Sending love, J-Ma. So are you planning on a home birth? Yes, I am. And um, one of the things that's been really helpful for me has been to stay very open to how this baby wants to be born and understand that it's it's, a, it's her choice, but it's also part of a, 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 an agreement between the two of us that we've already made. And that might mean a cesarean. That might mean a transfer to the hospital. That might mean a very easeful home birth. It might mean a very long home birth. It, there's just so many ways it can go. And I can move towards something, but have to stay and surrender to what, what is meant to happen. And that helps my brain because... <laughs> This year has only been that over and over again for all of us. So home birth, I have a few a, a midwife team, a few people who will be here in my house, and and then I'm really working on a nice um, postpartum team as well. That's been my biggest anxiety. I'm scared of postpartum because I went through so much grief, and I have to remember that this time there's there's an actual baby. I'm not going to go through postpartum without her. So yeah, trauma is very real and we just keep it in our bodies. There's something that my acupuncturist told me who I love and she's very wise. And she said, you know, you're so open, you're so porous, you're this raw nerve postpartum. And in so doing, if you treat your body correctly and with the proper nourishment and loving care, you actually have the opportunity to heal so much deeper than any other time in your life. I think it's such a really beautiful thing for us to hold on to because it is, I mean, you have your own experience with your trauma. Sure. Sure. In general, as a society, we, we just hold so much fear about the postpartum time. And it's this thing to kind of white knuckle through when, you know, in actuality, it can be the most healing and sacred and beautiful golden window. I completely agree. And I think you're absolutely correct about how important it is to just be with the body and be with nourishment and all of that. And not being partnered, it actually has allowed me to really get creative in what it might look like. So I have, you know, a couple of girlfriends coming from out of state doing the whole quarantine thing and then being here for a couple of weeks each, which would be different possibly if I was partnered. Who knows? So they probably yeah. in a lot of ways get way better care. <laughs> so many ways it is women's work you know it is yeah. ancient wisdom and that's so beautiful that your community is coming around you swarming around you like that yeah I, I really wish that more women were given the opportunity to understand just even understand what's possible with postpartum and I'm personally very aware of like the privilege that I can have these friends come to be with me but you know books like the first 40 days and things like that different resources your your work it's so valuable it's not just for the woman it's for the child coming into the world and the ability to 
I mean, through I've done a lot of work around healing through you know spiritual modalities, and I've seen what can happen when you go through a healing and it's like big and cathartic. You know, you can do not just your life, but like layers of ancestral trauma can get reworked and rewoven and give you more strength, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just healing for yourself. Well, I'm excited yeah. for you. And it's really yeah. cool to speak with you. I mean, for so many reasons, thank you so much. But really, it's also just beautiful to see your face and your belly and, and be talking to you when you're on the precipice of this amazing new chapter. It's, I love seeing it. Like, it's such a beautiful thing. Oh, I, I appreciate it. I'm just kind of humbled and surrendered and we'll see what happens. And I feel so grateful that this being is coming, coming in. Yeah. And it's not easy. <laughs> I may sound like all these like lovely things I'm saying. It is not easy. <laughs> so it really deep yeah. work, like every hour, yeah. every minute sometimes. Yeah. You know, it, it also is a testament. It's these big things of birth and death. It's we do them the way that we live so often, you know, mm. that kind of cliche, but it's true. It's like you have put in 10 years of really deep work to get you where you are right now. And that's going to serve you in the in-between of every contraction, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's all one continuum. So I just think it's so important for any woman just to know it's never too late. Like it's, it's always an opportunity to heal and repair and it yeah. alters your life. I know we hear about all the things that can go wrong with birth, but we very rarely get to hear, well, there's so much that can be healed and repaired during this time. And I was just thinking about that today, listening to a book about all the types of exercise I should have been doing this whole time. And I was like, you know what? I've got maybe two, maybe four weeks left. It's okay to start now. And every little bit counts. Lots and lots. Walking is the best thing you can do in my life. I've been doing a lot of that. (laughs) You're ready to get it. Yeah. Oh, it's such a pleasure to talk to you and to just hear your wisdom coming through and and the little nuggets you shared as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll have all your notes and ways to reach you in the show notes, but um, you really are a wealth of knowledge and I look forward to learning more from you. I think it's just such beautiful, incredible work and you do dream work as well, which we didn't even touch on, but um, (laughs) I really appreciate the work that you are putting out into the world. And I feel like it's really important. So thank you. Thank you. Likewise with your work. And I just, I'm so appreciative to the bees because I think they're calling us to task. And, you know, that's probably why there's more interest in this kind of work in the world right now. The bees are ringing the bell, getting our attention. So yeah, a little prayer goes out to them and thanks to them for all of you who might be interested in them at this point. Thank you so much. And I'll be sending you so many happy, healthy, easy birth vibes. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and thank you so much. And always feel free if you have any postpartum questions, just anytime text me or DM me or whatever. Oh, thank you. It's very sweet. I'm sure I have a thousand, but <laughs> who knows until right, you're in I it. I talk about it today. So we'll send oh, thank you. Back to you. Thank you so much. And may your journey be blessed. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. Motherhood, as we know, is full on. Each new age and stage of our children's development brings vast new lessons, challenges, and victories. It is a lot to hold. And my intention for creating Mom Club is to create a safe and healing space for mothers to gather together. It has been an especially intense time through this portal of 2020, and many of us found ourselves mothering in new ways, working, partnering, showing up for ourselves and each other in completely new ways as we cannot connect as much in person. We need support. We need to sit in circle. We need to feel seen and we need to feel heard. 
We need to vent and let it go. We need to know that we are in this together, not isolated and alone. So please join us if you are wanting to circle up with sisters, if you're wanting to find your tribe, if you find that you feel isolated or not jiving with your friends or you've moved and you don't have a set of mom friends near you, please join us in this virtual circle where we are co-creating a sacred space for dropping into meditation, having an oracle card read, having a chosen topic discussed each month, as well as plenty of time for Q&A. I want this to be a real community where we can connect and share practitioners and resources, where we can find other women on the call nearby and connect in real life. This is a co-creating a circle of trusted sisters. We will circle up, grab a hot mug of tea, light our candle or incense, and drop in with a listening ear and an open heart. This sounds good to you. Check out my Instagram at Mother the Mother, the link tree in my bio. If you sign up, subscribe. I will send you all the deets for the next mom club. We are rolling it out. We started in December, but now we got the momentum moving through into 2021. So please join us. I'm really excited about this community. It's lit. It's on. And we're doing it. Jamal.